They say when a baby is born, so is a mother. But while you are there to help your baby grow into the person he or she is meant to be, who is there to help you? Many women feel lost and alone when they become mothers, wondering, who am I now? Sometimes it feels like the transformation from woman to mother is as radical as a caterpillar's transformation into a butterfly. Did you know that inside the chrysalis, the caterpillar literally turns into goop before it rearranges itself into a butterfly? This podcast is about the goop, what soul transformation looks like as you transition from being a woman to a mom. Your baby's growth matters, but yours does too. You're not alone. I'm your host, Brittany Ming. Welcome to the Motherhood Metamorphosis. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of The Motherhood Metamorphosis. My name is Brittany Ming. I'm your host. And today we're talking to Julie Plagens. Julie is a wife, mom, teacher, author, and blogger. She is passionate about helping families interact in a healthy way and finding forgiveness when there is a family rift or break. So, Julie, I feel like your intro really leads in well to what you would like to talk about today, which is family estrangement and how that affects the motherhood developments and how that affected you as a woman. So I would love if you could just tell us your story. Well, thank you, first of all, Brittany, for letting me be on your podcast. I'm so excited to be invited and uh, talk with your guests today um, or with your your people. Um, and uh, so, yes, estrangement is a very difficult subject. And if you have a family estrangement, likelihood that you are not going to talk about it with your friends too much. It's an embarrassing subject and it, uh, not many people understand. And especially if you are in, you know, a church group or something like that, you're supposed to have it all together. And I mean, even today with Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, that kind of stuff just doesn't get aired out in public usually. So, um, for me, it was, it affected me. I, uh, grew up in a family. It was a Christian, a Christian family. My dad was actually associate pastor of two mega churches in, in Dallas, Texas. And so if there's anybody that had pressure on them to look the part, be the part, act the part, it is our family. And so, um, I, for years and years, just kind of swept under the rug, any kind of, we all did, my whole family did any kind of, uh, grievances or, you know, frustrations or anger. And, um, it built up over time. So for me, by the time, um, I was around 40 and I'd had enough and ended up the relationship ended up breaking then. So for me, I was caught in that those years of needing a mom to call and talk to, of course you always need your mom and then also raising kids. Mm -hmm. So I was in that kind of sandwich, those sandwich years that I needed some support emotionally for my mom. And, uh, you know, and I also had two kids that, you know, how am I going to do this differently? What am I, how am I going to be a better mother or, you know, than I felt like my mom was at the time, which turned out now that we've talked through things we've, I've forgiven her, but, you know, she did the best she could and I'm having to do the best I could, you know, and it's just not enough sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to voice that, that we're all doing our best, but sometimes we do fall short. And I think that that can be just like a heavy truth sometimes. Mm -hmm. So how have you worked through that grief in your own life that maybe the grief that you, that gap you saw in your own relationship with your mother, 
-hmm. but also speaking to the grief that I did my best, but sometimes that's not enough. Can you speak to both of those aspects? Yeah. I mean, there was, I had a seven year estrangement with my parents, so there was no cards, nothing sent to me or my kids. So my kids lost their grandparents for seven years Mm -hmm. and I lost my mom and dad and other members of my family. My sister and I barely talked and all the aunts and uncles, I was pretty much just left the family. And so there was that huge grief of all these people basically feeling like they died. They, you know, left my life. And I didn't realize the toll it took on my children as well. Probably my daughter more than my son, but there was that grief of, of loss. And then there was the, how am I going to do things any differently, you know, with my own kids and how do I keep from repeating some of the same mistakes, which I ended up repeating because of unforgiveness. And, you know, as I look back, I'm like, I did some of the exact same things because I was not, it it took me um, really the last five to seven years to really work through forgiveness. And it, it took a toll on both ends. It took a toll on my relationship with my parents and it took a toll on raising my kids as well, uh, because that's not a good example to set. Mm -hmm. Can you think of something specific that you ended up doing that you thought I'll never do that? That was like that same pattern. Yes. Well, what happened was, is that, um, my, my parents uh, in their early twenties ended up taking over my grandparents' restaurant my dad had the first nightclub in Texas. And so they were living a large life. My dad was 23 and had all the money in the world. And that, you know, he vacillated between Dallas and Las Vegas. And they did that for about 10 years. And then my, my parents were on the verge of divorce. They were a mess. They were partiers. And my dad one night just prayed and said, he was Italian, Catholic Italian, mm-hmm. and just prayed one night and said, God, if there is a God, help me. I, I don't know what to do, you know? And about two weeks later, he went to uh, make a commercial and it was, it just turned into Christian programming. And, uh, the people there ended up praying and something happened to my dad there. And he started asking questions and ended up turning his life over to Jesus. And then it, everything changed. My, uh, my grandparents were horribly embarrassed. And it was, it made not only local news, but it made national news. Mm. So there ended up being an estrangement because of that. My grandparents, you know, Italians disowned my dad. Mm. So that was the first estrangement. And I was five when that happened. Mm. And then come, you know, my years later when I'm 40, and then I walk away from my own parents and do the exact same thing. Mm. So and it, and it didn't matter that we were Christians and my dad was associate pastor and the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I think that because I'm a Christian as well. And so you have these expectations that if we're a Christian family or if we follow these tenants or these rules or whatever it may be, we think I'm going to avoid these painful circumstances or if I do things right, things are going to work out for my family or my future, but pain affects us all and hurt affects us all. And I think a lot of times the human response will be to either pull away or not know how to work through that because we never saw it modeled or we saw a model that was destructive. 
like mm-hmm. you repeating a type of estrangement within your own family. And that's what your story is personal to you. But I know that in my own life, there hasn't been a lot of conflict resolution modeled. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure that out with my immediate family, my husband and children in a healthier way, but also not knowing exactly how to do it with my siblings and my parents. Cause I have complicated relationships with my parents and siblings too, but there was that expectation of, Oh, we're a Christian family. So there's okay. going to be this good outcome, but it hasn't, mm-hmm. it's messy. Like everybody's family, even if you're a Christian, you can go through these really difficult, complicated situations that require healing and forgiveness. So can you speak into that forgiveness process in your own life and walk us through maybe uh, an example of how that has looked for your family? Because you had a, you have had um, a reconnection with your family. Yes. Well, I want to reiterate that being a Christian does not make you emotionally healthy. You know, you want to be healthy and it's very hard because the Bible doesn't just say, well, you need to learn how to set boundaries and you do this and that. Um, It gives you basic principles, but it doesn't always give you um, line by line things to do. And that's a very difficult thing Um, for me. I as well did not have good conflict resolution skills. My family stormed out, walked away through things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was volatile. And so of course I didn't know how to resolve things with my parents. I wasn't really even allowed to say I had any issues with them when I was growing up. It was kind of like you do what you're told and be quiet. Yeah. So, you know, of course the only thing I knew to do was to walk away. I had tried to tell them, you know, several multiple times towards the, my later thirties and, uh, they just didn't get it or I couldn't communicate it. Or I don't know. I, I eventually, I absolutely just blew up on them and, um, everything out of 40 years of history came out. And of course, you know, where that ended up, that's what ended up with the estrangement. Mm -hmm. So, it wasn't until I walked away that I realized that I needed to get into some counseling. And I spent about 16 months in counseling and I learned that I was a huge people pleaser and that I did not know how to set boundaries. And um, those two things tied into each other because I had my own abandonment issues from my grandparents walking away and all of that growing up. And so I jumped every hoop trying to be the perfect person and, and, you know, trying to be the, the model Christian, but inside I was just dying. It wasn't real for me. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I went back and I really started addressing the lies in my life and that bad tape. And I don't know if you've had that bad tape going and, you know, you feel worthless and if you just get it right and everybody else does it better. Everybody else knows how to do it. I can't figure it out. Those kinds of tapes that were running in my head, um, were not biblical truths. And until I shut down the self-pity and those lies, and I started, you know, just simple mantras, like you are loved. God loves you. It's okay to say no. It's okay. If people are angry with you for saying no. And I had to learn that that was part of setting boundaries. If I really didn't want to do something, I needed to say no. Mm -hmm. 
And those are hard things to do because you know you're going to get, you know, some repercussions possibly for for setting really hard boundaries. And um, I had to practice that first on my kids and my husband. And then eventually, uh, it's a great story in the way that I ended up getting back with my parents and and having resolution. I don't know if you'll be going to that right now, sure. but that's what I did. I had to work on lies, boundaries, and not doing self-pity to get better. And eventually, um, my husband and I both, we uh, felt like after seven years, it was the holidays. And I don't know if about you, but for me, the holidays are the worst. Here we are approaching the holidays right now. And it's you're trying to explain to everyone about you know, who you're going to go to Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, all of that. And it's very embarrassing to say, well, I'm not going to my one side of the family because I don't talk to them. Mm -hmm. So uh, my husband and I, it was the last, it was like 2017. It was uh, for 2016, December, 2016. We both felt like God was saying, you know, you need to get back with your family. And I was like, there's no way. I don't know how to, I'm not going to their house. They're not coming to mine. We're not meeting in a restaurant. There's just no way in the, to meet in the middle. But I really felt like God told me to start praying and fasting. And so January came around and I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I've been praying forever. And God just really impressed on me to fast. And so I fasted for two days and I fasted on Monday and Tuesday. And I prayed for God to talk to my dad in a dream because I was like, well, he's not listening during the day. Maybe God will talk to him at night. <laughs> so embarrassingly, I prayed for a hellfire and brimstone dream, one that would just <laughs> scare him crazy. But um, so I prayed and that week, my dad called that Friday and wow. he had, had a dream. And um, so it's, it was just such a miraculous story because really God brokered the deal. You know, wow. he's the one that got in the middle and got to my dad to talk you know, and to call us. I was going to say, what did your dad say? Like he called, <laughs> well, he called my husband and he called that Friday and said, could we meet? So my husband went down to their house Friday night and didn't tell me oh. and just said that he was working late. And so he got home and saying things. So Saturday rolls around and he's kind of like, well, I went to your parents last night. I was like, what? <laughs> You went to my parents. What were you thinking? And he said, your dad called and he wanted to talk. And I, I was like, okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, I prayed. I prayed and that something happened. Yeah. So it was, so that was really neat, but there was no apologies. It was more like, let's make peace. Can we work something out? And so when my husband told me that I was like, what? There's no apologies. And I was really angry. So, um, it took two more weeks for me to cool down. And it, it's so funny because I was in Bible study fellowship and that week our teaching leader was talking about forgiveness and it was like a 45 minute dissertation on forgiveness. And my chair was hot. I mean, it felt like it was burning. I was moving around. And so I was like, okay, God, I'll move forward. So, um, we, I called them and I talked, you know, with my mom, my mom was pretty fast. She apologized pretty quickly. Um, so we got together in the, the next week or so, and we were eating dinner at, at their dinner table. And my dad pipes up and says something like I had a dream. And I was like, you're kidding. 
you know, and he, he said, yeah, I dreamed that we were sitting here in this dining room eating dinner together. Oh, wow. And he said, I woke your mom up and told her that Julie was coming home. And she was like, yeah, right. Whatever. Go back to sleep. You had too many enchiladas. <laughs> so, um, and that was the next day when he called and, and we were sitting there talking about the dream that he had with us sitting in the dining room and we were sitting in the dining room. Wow. I feel emotional. Like you telling me that, like, that's what a beautiful dream. Like, and it wasn't like you had this idea of like, get my dad in his dream, like scare him. (laughs) And then the dream was just like a coming together, like a beautiful dinner. Yeah. I didn't tell him about the hellfire and brimstone dream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully he won't listen to the podcast then. (laughs) But I love that. It's like your heart was still in this process of changing and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, reconciliation. Okay, fine. I'll pray for that. But like, I'm still mad. And then yeah. you know, the way that God answered was just a dream of fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And, and I wanted your audience to know that the reconciliation did not come quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, when there is a break of trust and relationship that it takes time to get that back. And, um, it took a good year before my dad actually apologized Mm -hmm. and, you know, that we worked things through and it wasn't all one side. I had to apologize too, but my mom and I pretty quickly worked through that. So Um, during that period of reconciliation, that year time, mm -hmm. were there deeper conversations going on or was it just, we're getting together more often? How's the kids? How's mm-hmm. the job? Like, tell us what that looked like and how your relationship was different and the different choices you made during that time. Yeah. Well, we were both trying to put our toe in the water and test each other out. And so it was slow at first and it was more superficial. And then, um, cause then my parents live almost an hour away. So it wasn't like I could go drive over there all the time and talk to them. So, um, it was probably after that, after the dinner, then it was phone calls maybe every week or so, you know, we would call and touch base. And then, um, I would start testing my mom a little bit and asking her more deeper questions, you know, on the phone and seeing how she would respond if she was going to be angry. And, um, we both just kept slowly pushing forward and there wasn't, you know, the problem with estrangement is that things aren't worked out. That's why you go away. So when you come back, it's not like everything's worked out automatically Mm -hmm. and you've got the same people and the same problems. Only I had changed in the fact that I was going to set hard boundaries and I had to really, really work on, um, being okay with saying no. And, and my parents being angry with me and, you know, whatever that meant, that was okay because I knew who I was despite what they thought. So there were some more, you know, there were some, a little bit of bumps every once in a while, there would be things that came up and my mom and I really worked on talking honestly. And I, that was one of the things I said to her. I felt like that, you know, I couldn't be honest with her and tell her how I felt because I was scared of her being angry. Mm. And so she had to work on her response and I had to work on not being fearful of whatever she thought or said. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I totally, if, you know, there's a difference between 
Um, forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is about the offense. And God asks us to no, no matter what has happened for us to forgive. Now, reconciliation is about the relationship. And forgiveness takes one person. It's between you and God. Reconciliation takes two people. And both sides have to be willing to admit wrongs, to work together, to build trust, um, do what you say, say what you do. It takes time. And if that person is not trustworthy, you have to set harder boundaries and step back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, you know, I want you to read my book, but I also recommend um, Gary Thomas's book. It's uh, When to Walk Away. And it is a really good book because it tells you the difference between, um, let's see, toxic relationships and difficult relationships. And Mine was a toxic one. Um, I haven't even shared about the, the story of how I ended up deciding to walk away. I was very sick and we can get into that whenever you want, but mine had turned toxic and there's just some relationships that are difficult and you can just set pretty hard boundaries and see them at Thanksgiving, Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day or whatever and see them at the holidays and that's it and have an occasional phone call. Those are difficult relationships, but when something turns into toxic it affects everything around you. And, and mine affected my health. And I was really, really sick at the time when I walked away. Yeah. Tell us that story. Um, I was, let's see, probably about seven or eight years into our marriage, I was diagnosed with proctitis and that's kind of a ulcerative colitis only at the lower portion of colon. Mm-hmm. Eventually it moved into ulcerative colitis. And by 2009, I was, um, really, really sick. I was, uh, I won't get too graphic, but if you've ever had the stomach flu, uh, let's see, I guess, uh, food poisoning and an ulcer combine that together and you get what, what I was experiencing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really bad. I couldn't keep food in any direction. And, um, I weighed hundred pounds. I'm five, eight. I lost 30 pounds in like three months. And so I knew something was really, really bad. And so my gastroenterologist immediately ordered a a colonoscopy. And so when I went in to get uh, the diagnosis, they, after the colonoscopy, the nurse came in, it wasn't even the doctor, the nurse came in and she, you know, I was barely awake. And she said, you have Crohn's disease. Your colon looks like hamburger meat. We're going to have to take it out. And you're going to have a bag the rest of your life, an ileostomy. Oh my God. And then she walked out the door. And if, do you know what an ileostomy is? It's an external bag that puts, that's where all the waste goes yeah. and it's noisy and it's smelly. And, you know, at that point, I just wished I could just die. You know, I didn't want to live this way. And I was so sick though. And so I had time to sit in the bed ba- in the bed, you know, bed thinking. And that's when I decided that I was going to leave my family. I was so miserable. It was like the scales came off. Um, I knew I wasn't just angry with them. I was, there was hatred. I couldn't be in relationship with them without sinning. I was so angry with them. Do you think that your sickness, um, your relationship with your family manifested itself as this sickness? Like, is that the connection that you made there or that you just couldn't deal with your family and the sickness at the same time? You know, I don't want to put any blame on my family or my parents for me being sick. That was my, that was on me. Um, but I think the stress definitely exacerbated the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So 
which one came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. <laughs> All I knew is that it, it, I was so sick. I had to get away from them because it just, um, I couldn't do both. I was either going to lose my colon and keep the relationship with my parents, or I was going to cut the relationship with my parents and calm my colon down and see if I could save it. And, and that's what happened. I saved my colon. Okay. So your illness was able to improve, like you were able to get healthier over the next few years. Amazingly, after I cut the relationship with my parents within a year, I was eating pretty well, eating almost everything I wanted. And for eight years before I had been on this totally restrictive diet and it was having flare up after flare up. So just removing, and that's what the doctor had said. He said, you need to remove whatever stress going on in your life. If you want to hope any hope of of saving your colon. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And um, I got into counseling and and removed all the stress. I, you know, I only removed my family. I removed issues that were going on with my husband or my kids. We just really lightened my load Mm -hmm. and I just worked on getting well. Yeah. So that's really, I mean, that's an extreme step to take. And I'm sure that took a lot of bravery and a lot of like focused healing Mm -hmm. on your part. Like you had to change your the way you were dealing with your body and your mind and your heart. It was a lot of things to change at once. Yeah, for sure. But you did see healing, I'm sure, just in your body and your soul. And I think that sometimes we think we don't always make that connection. We think, okay, this toxic person, blah, 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 blah. We don't make the connection between like an autoimmune disease or mm-hmm. headaches or whatever it may be, maybe uh, even addiction, um, drinking too much or, um, binging and purging or like whatever it -hmm. may be. We don't always make that connection in our life between the toxic relationship and the way, what our body's doing. So having you talk about how cutting out the stress and toxicity and things that were making you unwell and how your body experienced healing, I think is really interesting and telling about the way as women in our relationships in our life, we need to be mindful and we need to think about everything that's going on around us in order to show up in our life in the way that's going to be healthy and well for ourselves and our children. Yeah. It didn't come without consequences though. When I was angry, I got put in that corner. I never wanted to leave my family. I never, ever dreamed I would leave my family. And I was angry that I was you know, stuck with two very, very bad choices. Mm-hmm. And I, there were, it's not like you get a jail out of free card because I don't want your audience to think that, Oh, I just walk away and everything will be fine. There was a heavy, heavy price to pay for me walking away. I set a generational stronghold again with the next generation with my kids. I set an example of that, which thank goodness has not been repeated, but there have been some bumps and um, working through that because I had to, one of the things you have to do is you have to quit blaming everybody else. I had to take complete ownership for my behavior and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Mm. And um, I was a self-pity, go hide and whine and complain blamer. And it wasn't until I sucked it up and said, no. And I looked at myself in the mirror. I said, you got yourself where you are. You have to, you know, it is up to you to, with God's help to help you get out of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just had to take complete ownership of where I was. Yeah. And that wasn't easy because there were offenses, clear offenses from my parents. 
Mm-hmm. I had to forgive that. And that took, that took the full seven years for me to forgive. Yeah. And it's still a process of forgiveness. Forgiveness just isn't just one and done. It's a process and a continual choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a path that you walk in, not just a single step. Right. It is a path you choose. So talk to me about how you've discussed the estrangement with your children and how the reconciliation has affected them as well. Yeah. Um, well, they, you know, were at pretty, um, let's see, all of my sons, let's see, they missed my sons, all of his, let's see, high school years and some of the college years. And then my daughter, they missed fifth grade to 12th grade. So um, those were important years to establish relationship with grandparents and my kids didn't get that. And so the ramification of that still to this very day is my kids aren't real close to my parents because um, they just weren't there. And now my kids are busy and doing their own thing and they see them at holidays, you know, but that's about it. It's just, there's not a strong bond. So they lost, you know, we lost that. So that was hard. And then, you know, they asked questions and all sorts of things. And I tried to be honest with them. I think my kids might've thought I was too honest maybe. And I maybe told too much. And that was probably a boundary issue on my part that I should not have said as much. Um, I still was working through the forgiveness. I'm telling you, this is messy and it bled onto my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not they didn't get out of this unscathed. It hurt them. And it's hard to say my behavior and my choices did that. Um, But we are redeemed and God has worked with that. And my kids still love my parents. They just don't see them as often. So I, and I believe that my kids are not angry at my parents at all or anything that it was really, it was between me and my parents. And my parents didn't do anything to my grandkids. I mean, to my kids, their grandkids. Yeah. So I think they've separated that and realized that it really wasn't about them, but there's been a lot of conversation, um, you know, trying to work through what the truth is. Yeah. And that takes time. And there are are the, all those facets, like your relationship with them, their relationship with you, their relationship with your kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that those conversations can help fill a gap. Mm-hmm. but hurt is still there and it is, there, is there are consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We lived overseas for three years and we were about six to seven hours time difference from grandparents. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was hard. Like we didn't, we weren't able to call, call as much. It was difficult. Right. And it was challenging for me because I felt like I was putting in effort with my family could I put in more? Maybe. Um, but I felt like there wasn't the reciprocal effort to put in, um, especially with my kids on their birthdays or Christmas or things like that. Right. So we recently had this text from like a family chat and my parents said, what would you, what are your kids want for Christmas? And this was a sore spot for me because I felt like that was the only time they ever interacted with my kids, but it was me telling my parents exactly what to buy them for Christmas. Mm. And that was their only interaction with them was that mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa bought Christmas presents and that was it. Mm. And I said, gift cards are great. 
because I was tired of putting in all this effort for five children, coming up with all oh. these lists for them yeah. to presents. And um, they didn't like that. They didn't like that I said gift cards, but I was keeping back mm-hmm. what I really thought. Yeah. And then they um, expressed some disdain for the gift card. So yeah. I, I finally was like, I can either be angry about this inside or I can be honest with them mm-hmm. and come what may, because I have a difficulty com- conversing with my parents as well. So I did write about how I felt. I said, mm-hmm. I want to put, it takes a lot of energy for me. And um, I see gift giving as relational and creativity and you're using up my creative energy. And mm-hmm. so you can either ask them what they would like. You can call them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do a gift card or you, I mean, like I gave them like three different options and it was a little bit yeah. of a call. It was a little bit of a call out, but I'm like, I've got to stop just stewing and I've got to just tell the truth. Right. How I feel about this. And I right. said, I want to put that creative energy back in your lap. Like mm-hmm. I can't use all my creative energy for your relationship with my kill my kids. Wow. That that was really hard. I was like shaking as I wrote this and it was so difficult. And, um, but I, I kept telling myself, you stood up for yourself. You Mm -hmm. said your truth. You were polite and kind, even if you were direct and then it's up to them. And they did, they called my kids a few days later and they talked to them. And that was really, um, a different, step than they've taken because before they would usually only call them on their birthday. Wow. Yeah. So that I was really pleased with that. And I thought it was a step in the right direction, but hearing you talk about complex relationships, I'm just sharing my own complex relationship for Mm -hmm. other people to hear that it's not easy. And not everybody has this idealistic, like relationship with their mother or their father or the grandparents that are always around like relationships are hard and it takes stepping into truth and setting boundaries and being honest with who you are as a woman and being Mm. honest with your children and trying to make steps that are healthier and Mm -hmm. working in the right direction. Right. You do the appropriate thing. You didn't blow up. And then you also didn't withdraw. You set boundaries and and you were honest. Yeah. But it's hard. Like that was very emotionally hard for me and something that I didn't like doing, even if in my immediate life, like with my husband and my children, I strive for honesty and authenticity and like talking about the hard thing, like right away, that's different with my own mm-hmm. parents because that hasn't been the pattern with them or my mm-hmm. siblings, like it's hard. So even if I feel healthy in like one sphere, I'm working on creating health in other spheres and it's yeah. just hard. like, it's difficult. Well, I think probably I'm guessing you feel safer with your family. You know, you can be honest with them and you know that there's not going to be a pushback or if there is, you're going to work through it and you're going to be fine. But when there's pushback from others outside of your family, you don't feel as safe and you don't know where you stand. And it's, it's very difficult for me. When you said shaking, you were shaking. I had a lot of shaking, a lot of shaking growing up, a lot of digestive issues, just trying to speak. And, um, it's very, very fearful, you know, and there might be some of your audience that's like, well, I just tell them how I think. And, you know, that's the other opposite extreme where you blow up and you explode on them. And my husband hates this word, but you vomit on them. 
<laughs> it's kind of an appropriate word. Yeah, it is, you know, or the other, you just withdraw and you run and hide and, and neither are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I have found the most success with doing what you just said, you set boundaries, you be honest, and you just have to be like, if they don't like it, that I've, I've done the best I can. I didn't, I, I appropriately expressed what I needed, what I wanted. And, you know, the rest is up to them and it turned out great for you. And I'm really happy yeah. for that. Yeah. And I wanted to share that story too, because there were like two days where they didn't say anything. And I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is the worst. And yeah. then I kept coming back to this. I did the best I knew how, and I feel at peace with that. Even right. if like my emotional, like when I would look at that chat and say like, everybody saw what I wrote mm-hmm. said anything I kept like saying who's gonna say something and <laughs> I'm like say something <laughs> and I, I kept coming back to no I did I was honest and loving and firm and I felt true to myself mm-hmm. and that I didn't have anything yeah I just had to keep coming back to that even if yeah. that brave that brave step I took felt so scary like that's where the shaking came from. Like stepping, oh, yeah. stepping into that bravery is so frightening, mm-hmm. but doing it will bring you peace with yourself. And in that two days of waiting, that's where the toxicity can come back again. Those stupid lies that, you know, while you're waiting and you don't know what they're thinking or saying, and you could, you have to, that's where the real fight is in your mind is, okay, what am I going to say to myself in these, you know, days that I'm waiting? Am I going to say, oh, that was stupid. What was I thinking? I shouldn't, you know, are you going to go, what you did was, you know, the battle in your mind was, no, I did the right thing. I set boundaries. I told them how I felt. I was honest. And that was, that was the win is what's going on in your mind. Yeah. That's the biggest fight is what's in your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think about how I want to change the narrative for my own kids. And I bet you were thinking a lot about how you want to change the narrative for your yes. children as well. Mm-hmm. So as you're thinking, we're going to come to our final question of it's what would you tell another woman who's walking the same path as you did? And I'm going to change that to what would you tell another mother? Mm-hmm. Because I think that this motherhood relationship is so tied up with who we are as women and our relationship to our own parents in our relationship to our kids. And it does get so messy and complicated. So if you are going to encourage another mom, maybe even me, like, what would you say? Because, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm hanging on your every word here. And I'm really enjoying this conversation. So oh. what would you say to that person? First of all, I think you have to lean in grace. Mm-hmm. And um, because I beat myself up a lot. And, um, I did not feel like that God loved me. And I think that was the first thing that I had to really embrace was how much God loved me. And from there, I started getting my security and I would tell you to work on you, work on the lies in your head, work on setting boundaries, work on owning your stuff and stop blaming no more self-pity, no more obsessing on what others have done because it's unproductive. Mm-hmm. I can tell you where that goes. And I've gotten the t-shirt and I almost lost a colon over it. It's just not productive. Unforgiveness, hatred, obsessing, bitterness, and it's all toxic. 
forgiveness, love, setting boundaries, speaking truth, and holding yourself accountable. Those are the things that work. And so I encourage you to do those things. And I'm still practicing those things and still working on those things. Um, I just do them more often now because I know the other side doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. You can recognize it now. Yeah, I do. If I start with the obsessing or the lies or whatever, um, I stop myself a lot faster mm-hmm. and it's, and it doesn't go nearly as long. I, you know, I may have a day where I just am a mess and then I'm just like, okay, I got it out. It's not, it's not who I am. You know, I have this conversation with me and God and then it's over mm-hmm. and I, and I get back to the truth and I, I I'm not going to wallow. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. That's good advice. And counseling. You say counseling to you. I think Ooh, counseling can help. Yeah. A lot of people. Well, Julie, thank you so much for your honesty. I'm definitely going to um, post your book and your information of where people can find you in our show notes. But to end up our episodes, I have these 10 rapid fire questions that I ask everyone that are just for fun. Okay. So, all right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Which Disney princess would you like to take out for coffee? Ooh. Oh, probably Cinderella. <laughs> What's one thing you must have on your nightstand? Um, a fan. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, hit menopause, so a fan. <laughs> yes, that'd be cool. And the noise helps too, that white oh, noise. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. What was your go-to treat after your kids went to bed? When they were <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, probably ice cream or cookies. <laughs> yes. An ordinary moment that brings you great joy. Spending holidays with my kids, just when they're both over and um, it's all four of us. Those are just sacred moments because I don't get those as, as much anymore. What is the last show you binged and loved? Uh, oh, this is so you're going to laugh at this because I'm binging on it right now. Um, my daughter is into animals and she's thinking she wants to work with animals. And so she is into uh, Steve Irwin's. Well, it's not Steve Irwin. It's their family. It's called Crikey. It's the Irwins. And wow. so <laughs> she's been sick the last week or so. And so we've been watching that all the time. I, I love that. Strange, but yeah, we, we watch that too. That's a great show. I really like it too. <laughs> yeah. If you run out of this besides milk, you have to go to the store. Ooh, it would probably be something sweet. <laughs> More ice cream, right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm not a big, a huge fan of ice cream. I'm, you know, I'm into these coconut rolls and they have, they've come out with all these different kinds. They've got a pumpkin one. They've got, oh, I just found one with mint chocolate. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on those right now. That's your go-to treat. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Texting or talking? Texting. Yeah. I'm texter too. I like this though. I like zoom like face-to-face, but oh, yeah. on my phone, like I'm not as much. Yeah. I'd rather text. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? I am looking forward. Well, actually I'm, I'm just finished another book. And so my husband's reading it and it's a, a marriage book. And so I cannot send it to an editor until he finishes reading it. So I'm looking forward to sending my book to the editor. So, and I'm looking forward to getting it published next year. Oh, that's so. awesome. That's wonderful. Finish this sentence. Motherhood is. Motherhood is the best thing in the world, but oh, it's hard. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I agree with that. 
All right, Julie, I'm so glad we got to talk today. Thank you for being here. If you would like to read Julie's book, it's called Estranged, Finding Hope When Your Family Falls Apart. It's available on paperback on Amazon or in, other, in any other digital platform. You can follow her on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook at Julie Plagans. Am I saying your last name right? Julie A. Plagans is the, I'm but sorry. it's Plagans, yeah. Julie A. Plagans. And you can find her at her blog at momremade.com. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being with you and uh, just many blessings on you and your five kids. Thank <laughs> you. Hey friends, I'm so glad you chose to spend your time listening to this episode today. I hope it encouraged you and gave you some good food for thought. In 2022, I want to keep bringing thought-provoking, soul-affirming, high-quality content to you. In order to do this, I want to ask you for your financial support. I know this is a sticky topic, and it's weird for me to ask, but I'm going to be vulnerable for a sec. While all the podcasts are free for listeners, the podcast itself has behind-the-scenes costs, like monthly hosting fees, equipment costs, and this is the vulnerable one, financial support for my time. I don't want to put traditional ads on the podcast or do product affiliation because at this time, it's just not me. Though sidebar, I'd be very interested in ads that promote your businesses, blogs, and projects and help you gain clients. So let me know if that interests you now or in the future. I have set up a Patreon account for the motherhood metamorphosis. And if the podcast has benefited your life and motherhood journey, I'd love to ask if you could consider supporting me in 2022. There are three tiers of support at a $2, $3, and $4 per month price range. Supporters will receive various benefits, such as personal shoutouts at the end of the interview episodes, a once a month monthly newsletter with sneak peeks at upcoming episodes for the month, plus fun stuff like snarky mom recipes written by yours truly, and access to a bonus solo episode on the last Monday of each month, where I'll share stories about my own metamorphosis and practical insights about how to navigate your own transformation and growth. You can find the Patreon account at Patreon slash The Motherhood Metamorphosis or linked on our Facebook community group page by searching for The Motherhood Metamorphosis Podcast. Thank you again for listening and for all your support of this podcast. If you ever have any questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email me at BrittanyAMing at gmail.com.